This episode of the Last Game Podcast is brought to you by Eccentric Tom Stomach Virus. Gone but not forgotten. Welcome to another awesome episode of the Last hey, Game Podcast. Familiar voices here. Yeah, hey, studio. yes, I'm back. Back from assignment. Three, yes, <laughs> back after a two weeks stint after an accident with plane and stuff. And oh then all God. of a sudden, it's like, okay, usually we're we seldom down one. Now we're down usually the other we're one. Yeah. Okay, so like we have a Mr. Toffee back in the studio here. Welcome back, sir. Hey, what's up? Hey, and what's in up, exchange, Toffee? we lose an eccentric Tom. Yes. Uh, he's off with a uh, rare colonial marine virus. Oh yeah, out yeah. here in space, you know. Yes, uh, it, it's a slight case of chest burst, I'm afraid. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. You he, had to clean up, I had to mop up the mess. Too. Why the nev- hell do we have to give you all the shitty ne- jobs? Never do, eat the leftover pizza in the bridge because you never know what you know, space pirates have been infecting those. Okay, here we are on the Last King uh, space station. I am, of course. Uh, Dr. Shafiq Yes, uh, doctor In charge of Medical Bay And uh, you're, <laughs> doing <a> pretty, <laughs> you're doing a pretty shitty job I'm Considering a, yes. that Eccentric Tom is not with us here right now You know what, here's the thing uh, like, b- Being the doctor on this ship I'm quite lax <laughs> And that's, the, that's what I prescribe to him Some ex-lax Do you even use like sterilizers or whatnot for the tools? God damn it, Mr. Toffee I'm a doctor Not a goddamn doctor <laughs> is it, No, that's not that, that didn't come out right Okay. You know, I need to remind the last King fans out there, you know. Okay, I remind me not to get sick on the ship, right? <laughs> Try not to get sick, you know. Apparently, Doctor on Duty, not very good at his job. <laughs> but very good about talking about pop culture, apparently. Yeah, and video games for that matter. And video well. games. Okay, so this is the tie-off to the trilogy of the best of 2018 so far series. Okay, thank you so much uh, to our friend Hids over at the Hard Hids and Genre Quality Podcast for... Uh, Coming in and filling in for Mr. Toffee for yeah, yeah. the last Thank, two episodes. Thanks for doing the job, and you did a great job, definitely. I have a funny, yes. I have a funny feeling he's still lurking around here somewhere. He, I th- he's probably asleep in the, in the cryo chambers right now. We we haven't launched him back to Earth yet. Oh no, man! Uh, it's okay. You know, I, I, don't ask me. I'm not the ship's engineer. <laughs> okay, wait. Who is the ship's engineer? Supposed to be me, but oh, I you're the ship's engineer. I'm supposed to be the janitor. I had to clean out the mess <laughs> Tom made, so someone had to clean that shit up, right? God damn it, eccentric Tom! I don't have the f- power. <laughs> manpower, man. I power. don't have the manpower. Yes, yes. This is a <laughs> not all of us can grow. This is arms, a rinky so. dink space space station floating high above. Uh, uh, apparently, we are according to the uh, the satellite readings here. We're floating right above Singapore. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. We actually made a bypass to Jupiter at one point. Yes, you know, right up Uranus. <laughs> Down to Jupiter. Yeah. So, <laughs> enough with the, the planetary puns here. So, uh, we'll be uh, continuing on with our uh, mid-year roundup. Okay, as per tradition here on the Last King Podcast, where we talk about uh, the best video games, uh, television, and movies of uh, 2018. Okay, we've already made our choices. Please go and listen to our previous episodes. And of course, uh, don't forget to follow your friends here, The Last King. Okay, we're now available not just on iTunes or on SoundCloud, but you can find us on Google Podcasts. Yeah, so go ahead, look for us. Uh, search Last King, that is L-A-S-T-K-I-N-G. We're probably the second <laughs> option in first, the search result. Yeah. Soon to be the first. Okay, one day we we too shall be on the front page of the Google last, Podcast. The last king of Scotland has always been at the highest. So yeah, there's, a, there's a, apparently a few last kings out there, but we we are the true last kings. Yes, yes, yes. Because uh, the uh, Asian af- flavor last kings. After us, the, the, there's no other kings, you know. I think it's going to be a republic right after us. <laughs> 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 They're going to re- remove the empire. Aye. 
So if anything, uh, before we go straight into our talk for uh, favorite video games of 2018 so far, um, Mr. Toffee, uh, a small movie came out, and yeah, small yeah. is the pun. Yes. Okay, small. With some, some little large proportions. Little, in between, right? little bit of large, a little bit of small. A small, medium, and large. If a you generous will. amount of uh, uh, Paul Rudd also. Yes. Okay, I'm going to talk about Ant-Man and the Wasp, which came out the theaters uh, as of this recording. Now, uh, we need to also preface this that. I personally think that Avengers Infinity War is probably the best comic book movie ever made. It's the biggest. It's the biggest. It's the biggest. It made the most money, but like in the grand scheme of things, the way I look at it, because I'm very strict with the rankings here, as we all agree here, and uh, I would always say that um, maybe, like it used to be, the Richard Donner Superman movie, then the Dark Knight, then everybody was fighting for third place. I would have given it to Logan at one point in time. Or oh, the first Captain America as well. That the first was Captain beautiful. America yeah, as a true superhero movie that, you know, it sticks to formula but does it in such a refreshing and bold way. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's got its throwback moments but also at the same time, I would feel that, you know, Captain America definitely top five. But now, after Infinity War, and yes, I know we've been harping on this movie for a bit and yes, I have said very uh, prominently in a, few, a previous episode that this is this generation's uh, Empire Strikes Back in terms of uh, culturally defining and just totally changing the way we all watch movies and appreciate things anymore and I mean I did also have this discussion with our previous uh, guest host Hids that uh, Infinity War actually is kind of like should be celebrated not only for like its achievement in filmmaking but also for embracing the trappings of comic book movies because like not even just being a comic book movie but especially within the genre of comics, how impenetrable that can be to a lot of people. Mm, yeah, yeah. Like, definitely. you know, for the first time ever, there's a movie out there that requires 10 years of study and research to fully appreciate. You know what I mean? Like, it's like something like, you can't just drop Infinity War on like a new fan and expect that person to be, oh, what's this? They've and, done all the building blocking bits since yeah. 2012 with the first Avengers anyway. Mm. First, second and third, along the other movies in between leading up to what we, what we got earlier this March, uh, early March slash April, right? And exactly. And like, especially when you went to, even when they recommend like comic books to people, especially with certain comic book characters, it's like, okay, which version of this character are you thinking of that you want to follow? Because trust me, the backlog... Ooh, a little bit overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. I mean, which is why at least we have the cinematic universe to make things easier for us to follow. Maybe not easier, lah. Streamline would be the better word to not get through all this because you know how bullshitty comic can get with the canon and the retconning of and whatnot. Of course, well, even Marvel with the movies, well. yeah. And I will also say this: movies like, I mean, not too much. At the very least, the important things are the ones that stand out without getting retconned too much. I totally agree, but also at the same time, I was thinking this: like the one problem I always have with all the Marvel movies, especially the Marvel movies, is that Marvel fatigue because. 10 years of about like 18 to 20 movies to sit through just to understand one other movie Oy. I think there are like what three of them that came out last year and now this year they were this year's another well. three yeah okay. three. so we had Black Panther Black earlier. Panther was the first one and then Second Infinity War came out your favorite and movie crushed well. yep. and then now we have Ant-Man and the Wasp yep. so speaking of going smaller yeah I would say this it actually went smaller in scope in size in action scenes as well as the grand scheme of things basically. exactly it went smaller in expectations because I think it knew it I mean like we didn't talk about how like Marvel has a I mean like Disney in general has a problem with cannibalizing its own franchises by having like releases come too close together that one will outshine the other I mean we did mention that previously when Infinity War was out it's like Black Panther is still in the studios People and are still celebrating like that. like a shit ton of money right what more than a few million that's for sure a oh, billion it hit a billion sorry billion yeah billion. And like at one point in time, Black Panther was the most successful superhero movie of all time. Yeah, for a standalone 
B-grade hero comic book series for Marvel. For a very schlocky, yeah. <laughs> but if anything is like, then you have something that is uh, Infinity War, which is like, my God. I mean, not a masterpiece, but close to the cinematic equivalent of what is what it is that I enjoy most about comic books. Yeah, all that stuff that we've actually been listening and actually watching since the first Avengers all paid off in a right fashion. Yeah. And that's just first half of my film. That's a crazy thing too. So now we talk about Ant-Man. Yeah, that's <laughs> fine. <laughs> because the thing is, right. Okay, let's give it some props before we start criticizing it fully because I mean, we know the Maybe story. we do a little bit of a general consensus here. Like, uh, what do you think about the movie, Mr. Toffee? Should we maybe just go through like what the show was about in the first place? I think people are very much aware of Ant-Man and the Wasp because everybody's probably wondering why wasn't Ant-Man around during the events of Infinity War? I guess we kind of know why. And it was kind of explained. Also, by the way, um, as per usual here on The Last King, spoilers are plenty. You have been warned. Okay, yeah. if you don't want to be spoiled about the recent release and actually, as of this recording, it'll be like two weeks out of yeah. box office right so like yeah if you have still haven't caught Edmund and the Wars please go ahead pause this yep. episode go watch it come back and listen to your we friends. are going in deep in the subatomic realm of spoilers we're right going now in so. Deep. so deep subatomic deep yes, yes we're quantum deep we're quarking you yep. <laughs> so Mr. Toffee uh, your thoughts well it's inconsequential but at the same time, <laughs> it's fun. Okay, I know it sounds like a backhanded praise or whatnot, but... No, it's, it sounds like a straight up... Okay, a straight up slap in the slap face. Slap in the face, yeah. No, not even backhanded at all. <laughs> it was front... A it, pimp slap, pimp slap. Full know. gauntlet. Okay. <laughs> okay, gems across the face. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Because it knows what it's actually going to follow up with. It needs to actually follow up after the juggernaut that is in Avengers Infinity War you know, as well the, as Deadpool 2 with an actual juggernaut inside. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But at the same time, Unlike Spider-Man Homecoming, which I reviewed a while back with Tom, yeah. I actually enjoyed this inconsequential film a little bit more mm-hmm. because of how it actually displays the set pieces, the fact that it introduced yeah, I agree. a pretty interesting, if inconsequential villain <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. Uh, yeah, because I, I do like the phasing powers. I'm going to straight say it out there flat. The phasing powers of this character actually kind of cool like we actually it, like the part where she actually pops up goes into your face when she first gets introduced not bad not bad and I also like the fact that they also kind of mentioned the potential where basically are you going to put your hand inside me and rip my heart out and it's like yeah she can do that huh? yeah yeah they showed that really the first 10 minutes of an introduction basically like after the film is somewhere in the first third and stuff I think so too but I mean like um, okay I, I don't want to go straight into the problems but I'm also going to uh, go off on what you mentioned there because like I mean to me, I didn't enjoy this movie that much. In fact, to me, this whole thing felt like a fart in a bath, where it's like, I'm not even going to be unfair and compare it to something like Infinity War. No, I'm just no. going to like uh, treat it as its own standalone superhero movie. But okay? to be fair, you can actually make a fair comparison with movie sequels in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, universe, so if I like want to compare it to something like, An- like I'll say comparing it to Ant-Man 1, yep. it's slightly better, but... That doesn't mean it's a good movie. That doesn't mean like in in like say if I want to be super fair, that means I need to compare it with every single superhero movie I've seen. Yeah, and that's like since the seventies, sir. It's like yeah, this does not stand anywhere near top ten or top twenty in my book. In fact, this is one of those full movies where I would pro- probably don't bother to go and watch this because I mean it's like, like a Cinemax special, basically. You yeah, you know, flip on a bunch of channels you, like oh, Ant Man and the Wasp. You if know, you, if there you. you go. It's like Thor 2. You know, you, you, it's not necessary, but if you need okay, to watch okay, something... Give it, give it some credit. It's better than Thor 2 at the very least. It's slightly better Much than better. Thor 2. Yeah, okay. I would say that. But like I was I was saying in the terms of like, if you need to recommend a Thor movie, Ragnarok. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you, need to, doubt, if you need to re- recommend an Ant-Man movie, any one of them is fine. You know, but if you want to recommend an Ant-Man appearance, 
Civil War when he goes giant for the first time. That will like that was fun. And you know what? A little bit unfortunate. He doesn't get the opportunity to really showcase that as much here because the thing is, like one thing I love about Ant-Man and the Wasp especially is the set pieces. I mean, like the imaginative the imaginative use of uh, props and like resizing things and like you know especially the office resizing back and forth yeah you know and you know but also the unnecessary resizing because I have a lot of like okay the one thing that I'm gonna like the Hot Wheels resizing that's a huge promo to Hot Wheels in god damn it talk about product placement <laughs> but I will say this like okay here's, here's uh, what, what I really want to bring up is the I can see that there was probably several teams working on this movie and then there was probably that one team there that were was five writers on this there film there was five writers on this it. movie so it was like I'm pretty sure one or two of them were in charge of like set pieces basically coming up with scenes like fight scenes you know like this happens throw salt, uh, salt shaker enlarge salt shaker salt shaker blocks door cool you know like and I love that a lot and like that's one thing I also love about the first Ant-Man about like you know it's like it's like imagine we had a budget and we we could redo Honey and Shrunk the Kids yeah you know what I mean and it's um I just love how seamless it is because it doesn't have that jaunty kind of CGI like if you watch the original Avengers especially the fight in New York it's obvious that freaking uh like Hawkeye has nothing but green screen you say behind Hawkeye it. <laughs> Hawkeye Hawkeye <laughs> okay and but if anything it's like. The only thing I will praise about Ant-Man and the Wasp is like the set pieces are fun. I enjoyed them thoroughly. And also, especially anytime the Wasp uh, shrinks and resizes to fight people. Especially with those knives coming in from one of the goons from Walter Goggins' group. Yeah, yes. you know, I mean, all that is cool. Yeah, and the shrinking cars as well, back and forth, especially going through that famous uh, San Francisco drivey, curvy... Which we've seen in several movies. I too. know, but then when... <laughs> They did that. Ah, okay, that's cool. That's cool. I guess. I love Tricky how the cars and everything. But, but here's the logic I want to cut. Okay, here, here, well, I did mention that this movie suffers from several logic problems. How much fuel do you save because you need to travel greater distances because your car is smaller? Do you even save fuel? You don't. You actually, you actually need to yeah, spend more fuel, and because your piston engine is even smaller, and I'm pretty sure like the chemical particles will also shrink. But I don't because that's the thing. It's like here's the one thing about Ant Man and the Wasp that. I mean, even Ant-Man as a character in general, because is basically he's called Ant-Man. He's got the powers of an ant, kind of. He can kind of communicate with ants. Maybe more Hank Pym than Scott Lang. Mm-hmm. Okay, but also like, hey, here's a logic problem. If he can shrink down, why don't you just reverse it and he can grow? And like, okay, so that has been included in canon. Mm-hmm. Like Ant-Man growing big is not new. It's not new to the cinematic universe. It's not new to the comics. This is something we knew he could do for yes, a long time. He could, yeah. Okay, and so like, okay, that's something fun to play with. Okay, so his power is basically he gets large, and I love that how they include a little bit of science where like, okay, if you go that big, you're, you're gonna get tired faster. You're gonna get tired faster. You you metabolize things differently, right? And like, okay, that's kind of cool. And then that's the problem because once you bring a bit of science into it, then you start to think about the science of everything else. The other little things. Oh my god, the third act was a huge mess in terms of explaining a lot of so things. So let's just say right now, because we're gonna definitely go full discussion about this. Spoilers, real spoilers start now. Okay, Mr. Toffee, maybe a little countdown for all our friends out there. Okay, five, four, three, two, one. Going subatomic. Going super subatomic. So here's something I should mention. Wouldn't it be easier? Is instead of like because they're always saying like oh it's so difficult for us to go subatomic, like okay but we can always go to a certain like percentage or certain size. So why don't you just go small and then go small again and then go small again? Doesn't your lab still kind of work? 
That if it gets smaller and smaller and yeah, smaller. Yeah, so like, okay, you shrink your like the first time. You say, oh, it's so hard to go from this distance to that distance. Then go halfway. Then when you're there, shrink again, shrink again. It becomes exponential, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I know. I, mean? I remember that Hank Pym Hold mentioned. On. In the- one more thing. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Okay, so. <laughs> We're going Janet now? or Well, okay, so. Here, uh, spoilers? Janet, played by Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. The yeah. Catwoman. Yes. Okay, looking good for her age. In fact, everybody. No, right? I'm gonna talk about the DA. Looking good since Mother, the film that you hate as well. <laughs> I didn't hate the movie. I just hated what it stood for. Ah. Is that is that any right for me to say that? No, okay, no. no, no. Do you have every right to say that? Even I don't know what the hell is. I don't care. I don't care weekend, about yeah. Darren Aronofsky <laughs> anymore. Okay, not since maybe Requiem for a Dream of Pie. Like yeah. he's gone up his own ass so quickly. Off the rails. <laughs> Off the rails. Oh God, since Noah, I think Noah's like probably the, like you put this together. Yeah. Anyway, so let's not get uh, too derailed. So. um What's the point of Ghost? As a cool set piece, more or less. That's it. Honestly, I feel that she's just there for the sake of like, oh, we're going to justify Hank Pym's assholiness in terms of like all the 56 degrees of separation Separation, that's going on in between with uh, what's that? uh, Lawrence Fishman's character, Bill Foster. A.K.A. Goliath. Yes, Goliath. (laughs) And Mm. also, you know, uh, Ava, who is Ghost as well. With the suit and everything. With the whole phasing thing that happened, it all boils down to all links up to like, all of Hank's sins actually leading up to these guys having a shitty life and having a shitty way of dealing with experiments. Like, if we could have this genius actually solve this problem, none of this shit would have happened. Actually, That's our plot line going on. Exactly, because the thing is, this movie suffers from terrible plot lines and plot threads and plot holes. And from five number, writers, no doubt. From five writers, and you can't string this together. And okay, here's the number one problem, first and foremost. Okay, why did you string the lab in the first place? Which lab, sorry? The Bill the very, lab, right? No, no, no. In the very first scene, remember? When it's like, oh, uh, when uh, Scott and Hank reunite mm-hmm. and then like they were leaving, like, we need you, Hank, for this thing. And then like as they were leaving, getting into the van, like uh, Michael Douglas decides to shrink his lab as well yep, to yep. bring along. So, okay, here's another logic problem. Is everything in that lab nailed down? Why isn't everything in total like, disarray? Like shaking and moving. Yeah, and because he's like carrying that shit around. And the thing gets like slammed around a few times, especially when they're playing like hot potato with the lab with like Walt Goggins and Eva, right? Yeah. Shouldn't like the glass and all the like little lab equipment be shattered to pieces? And like, do you need to rebuild that? To all be over? honest, that's actually the least of the film's problems. That Because that, that is, is ex- there's actually more that comes in much later. Okay, and that's the thing. We can definitely build on this because if anything, I mean, it, don't take it from me to like, be not not be able to suspend disbelief. Yeah. I mean, you're talking. About I mean, these are comic book films. So cry out loud. Yeah, I know people shrink and like resize, and like this is definitely a small problem. Yeah, but and then you gotta put in those kind of scenes that she justify your Ant Man shrinking and enlarging film anyway. So here's what I wanted to say. Crazy little pieces here and there. So if you didn't shrink the lab, wouldn't it have been impossible for Ghost to steal it? If you just left it alone instead instead of shrinking the lab and bringing it with you, why don't you just leave it there, leave it locked? Sure, Ghost could probably phase in and phase out and like steal the technology, but aren't you gonna go to get the technology that she's supposed to steal anyway? She actually did steal the whole suitcase at the lab, more or less. Didn't yeah, she, she did. did. So that? exactly. So why did you bring that along? Why didn't you just leave it somewhere? Uh, hiding it all. Yeah, actually, she just hid it somewhere in because a safe house and whatnot. She doesn't know where you are. You know what I mean? She only knows where you'll be, and when you're there, and you bring the thing. It's probably not mentioned, but you know. I guess Hank is just so arrogant to a point where I cannot leave it anywhere else. I'm going to keep it along with me because I'm the safest place this lab's going to be at. Okay. But they obviously didn't say that. And so why unfortunately, that's that, 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 that even sped, sped out there, unfortunately. So, okay, this is how I can challenge that. So why don't you shrink it so small that you can just put it in your pocket and nobody knows that exactly. you're carrying it around. Yes, you could have just shrunk it much, much smaller. <laughs> All right, thing. yeah, you know, you can put a little amulet. Yeah, if you can't trust anyone. Yeah, crazy <laughs> thing, he did that for the... 
the key in the first film. It's strange, you know, like the tank. Remember the tank keychain exactly. thing? Exactly. What the hell, man? So that's what I'm saying. Is like, you're probably one of the smartest, most brilliant scientists in the world, and this is like strange to you. I know it's kind of cool to pull the luggage handle yeah. out of the top of the building. And like, like, like I said before, or maybe like one extra dialogue where Scott would be like, "Hey, how come you didn't shrink that to the size of a key keychain?" No, no. If you have to explain the scene, you're a terrible writer. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of explaining the scenes, this movie suffers from a lot of exposition bombs, (laughs) especially when Eva decides to like, "Why are you doing to us?" And then like, okay, wait, you're Ant Man, you're the Wasp, and you're tied to a chair, and how is that preventing you from escaping or doing anything right now? Remember when they would they, yeah, woke they were tied up and then he and had then, to summon those ants from the Altoid box. And then like they woke up and then they were like, Oh, what is your plan all along? And then Lawrence Fishburne, okay, spoiler, comes along and like, Oh, apparently this guy, Bill Foster, who hates me, still kinda hates me, and is working with his Eva girl because Eva has this problem of phasing. And how did you get this problem of phasing? Let me flash back to this thing. Yeah. And we had to sit through that for ten minutes. <laughs> And then all of a sudden we have this little joke about uh, I think uh, Scott's daughter calling, mm. you know, nine one one. Where's my shocker shoes? It's like, okay, that's cute. Moving right along, you know. And all of a sudden we have this action set piece where well, couldn't you just have shrunk <laughs> and just ran away if you don't want to deal with this problem? But then again, she explains to her like because of you firing my dad, he decided to go rogue and like create his own independent science lab. Mm. And because he created his own independent science lab, and he wasn't as good as a professor or scientist which causes the explosion which killed him and the wife but makes me phase in and out uncontrollably and it's just so painful and I remember like uh, Hank was like I'm sorry but your dad was an asshole or whatever but okay if I was a writer I'd be like so this part Hank will say okay I'll do whatever I can to help you after we get my wife I promise according to Lawrence Fishman character you have a few weeks we're just gonna do this right now then we promise right after that we, f- we solve your problems and then the movie ends yeah and then some things could have just been solved through better writing to be honest some things could have been solved through better writing and better character motivations <laughs> that's why this movie is terrible because if you're a fan of film you're gonna sit through this and think to yourself okay obviously this is very slapped together seeing as how there's five writers with the Frankenstein all these scenes together I get it fine and yes I get it you can't like compare this to Infinity War because Infinity War is something that was designed with vision mm-hmm. and okay and without vision because he gets killed too yeah yeah <laughs> sorry about that but it's like I really cannot recommend Ant-Man and the Wasp at all and if you're like one of those uh, I would call them the Marvel completionists yeah you can skip this one this is and like Thor The Dark World part 2 I will say like yeah out of all the movies these are the two you don't really need to see yeah I'm gonna have to top it off and say that you are actually right on all these plot points and we haven't even gotten back to the fact that Janet comes back up again the land of the living land of the less she's been gone for 30 years in the quantum realm she survived somehow and she has amazing lipstick and her clothes still fit her nice hair and everything you know lovely pants yeah and she's got like subatomic powers that she just gave to Ava straight away which kind of cured her kinda I guess so but and I love how I guess, I guess subatomic powers have magical properties that it can live on to people I would say over that, and ever I guess you know what I would appreciate this movie a lot more if it didn't try to tie in with the Infinity War in a way it did at the last part that's it no no I mean I'm not even talking about the, the mid credits or the post title scene mm-hmm. I'm just talking about the fact that like because it's aware of what came before it you can see it's not playing catch up but like hey we're just gonna go smaller it's just underachieving the entire way so in a sense it's like Ant-Man and the Wasp is the kind of movie where 
you can tell that there's an air of awkwardness and nervousness about what is well, what else was definitely going on in the Marvel camp. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm pretty sure like this is Marvel. This is what they do. They punch below their weight, and then Captain Marvel comes out, and probably that's very good. Yeah. And we don't know because like now there's always these. She'll probably solve all that cosmic problems, being that she's a cosmic being. Of course, you know because yeah. But they're doing a grand fashion, that's for sure, because they got the budget for it. So. But is it coming out? uh, It's coming out this year. Next year, next year. Captain Marvel's next year. We are done with Marvel films for this year because Ant Man's out. Finally, thank fuck. So we can take a break and wait for other cinematic masterpieces like (coughs) Aquaman. Aquaman is this year? It's this year, apparently. Oh yeah, that's still coming out? From the Fast and Furious guy, right? James Wan? Yes, thank you. James Wan. Really? Yeah. He's giving out on The Conjuring to do Aquaman? I guess so. Seems like it. You know, thank you. Jason Momoa needs a career, but also, as a side note, Jason Momoa is a terrible crow. (laughs) Whoever thought that he... Is he really going to be the crow? I think they axed it. Like I think the director got fired or the the, the the film got shelved because it went only as far as maybe he Instagrammed like just more himself Instagrammed him in costume or yeah. maybe with eye makeup and it's like nah you look too big <laughs> you know what I mean yeah you need to have that Brandon Lee I would even say Brandon Lee you gotta be closer to the comic books yeah okay that too you know what I mean it's like, books, like yeah. he's he's baby he's a, he's, he's a guy who plays guitar he's a, he's a starving struggling musician but I know that the, the crow is not necessarily one character it can be several characters but Jason Momoa when, I mean like when you something ask, like the mask right mask the original comic there were several characters yeah. who were donning the mask not just Stanley Yipkis but I would say this like for if you wanna do a crow movie and like if you want to dream don't because of all the baggage that's going to come with it <laughs> yeah yeah you know but we mean? can talk about that in the future comic laced episode we should give Probably. a final rating for the inconsequential Ant-Man and her, his partner the Wasp uh, I'm not even going to give it a rating this is like a D <laughs> <laughs> This is a D, no, a four, a three out of ten, I guess. Probably, like, okay, maybe if I'm gonna be super fair, uh, stacking up all the set pieces, yeah, four and a half to five. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna go with five as well too. Yeah, Still a fun film, but you know, I mean, bring your kids, but don't bring your brain. You <laughs> there you go. Exactly, there you go. And with that, I think we can stop a bit about the films and we can go on to awesome video games of 2018. Yes, yes, so yes. Far. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and uh, after this little interlude, uh, we're going to come back and we're going to bring you our picks for uh, best video games of uh, 2018 so far. Uh, Sans Eccentric Toma. Yes. Okay, our thoughts and prayers. So this this particular episode, we're going to be talking a lot more about video games, more so than usual, especially all the, with all the cool <laughs> stuff that came out in 2018. And how ironic it is that we used to be a video games podcast. <laughs> yes. right? We need to keep reminding people that at one point in time, the last game was all about the video games here in outer space because there's nothing to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And then we ended up like subscribing to Netflix and then like, oh, now we're, we're talking about movies a lot. Yes, exactly. Hey, yeah, yeah. 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 But anyway, yes, once in a while, video games. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So, do you want to go first? Like, maybe talk about your favorite awesome picks for 2018 so far? Yes. So, what's going to happen is uh, we're going to talk about our best of 2018 so far. And, okay, a little bit of a caveat here. I haven't been able to play all the video games as much, but uh, I know which is my favorite so far, uh, which came out uh, this year. But before that, of course. It's not a port, is it? No. Okay, but first, not a re-release or a remaster or something that came out in 2000 previously before. I would have given it to Neo, but that's unfair. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah that was a last year game. Neo is like an amazing game. That's like it runs butter smooth on PC. Okay, but uh, okay. Bayonetta. Oh yeah, Bayonetta was last year though, a PC version. No, PC version. Okay, but three has been announced, right? Yeah. Okay, okay, but my honorable mention for uh, 2018, and I know it's a bit of a controversial pick. It's gonna Drums. be. Metal Gear Survive. <laughs> so Metal Gear Survive is the redheaded stepchild cousin of the Metal Gear series, uh, released by Konami sans Kojima-san. And the thing is, everybody is shitting on this because no solid the snake, no Metal Gear. But you know what? It's fine. Are there, are there even elements of stealth? I mean, there are some, right? When you you're sneaking up and killing enemies, you know, killing the zombie crystals. You, I mean, if you want to sneak up on them, you can. Okay, there is sneakiness. But basically, it's a base-building survival game. And they never said anywhere that this was going to be technical, technical, tactical espionage. And Snake does make a bit of a cameo in the opening cutscene as he's flying away into the portal. Mm -hmm. If you remember at the end of... Uh, I think oh, yeah, the cutscene of uh, Ground Zeroes. This of Ground right, Zeroes. Ground Zeroes. Know, it's like, so basically... This is the game is taking you to the perspective of remember those assholes who got sucked up into the portal? Mm -hmm. You're one of those assholes. <laughs> and now you need to survive in this weird other world where crystal hit zombies are uh, coming after you. Uh, and I'm st still not sure why or what. But you know what? It just. Uh, it's a very cheap. No, it's not cheap at all. No, it's like a 30 to $40 price point. Well, it was cheap during the Steam sale that ended cheap. a few days ago. Yes, if you go to during the Steam sale, I think it went down to like what, 20 15 bucks even, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And okay, I do get that. Oh, Kingdoms of Amalur, that was actually at 6 bucks. Okay, okay, the thing is, Kingdoms of Amalur, I, I still say it's one of the most underrated action RPGs out yeah. there. A lot of other uh, other awesome stuff. But yeah. did they fix the games for Windows Live bullshit that was attached to it? I bought it, but I haven't tried it out, so I don't know that yet. That shit is a cancer on our planet, yes. you know? Because the thing is, right, I remember, like, even the lovely people at Rocksteady, like, they gave me an extra copy of Batman Arkham City because games for Windows Live decided to go yep. bust. And a lot of people on Steam, like, they couldn't log in to Batman because they had to go through that bullshit DRM as well yep. so like, here's a free copy of the Batman game you already own Yeah. okay but okay notwithstanding yeah, so yeah. Metal Gear Survive is one of those few games that I played this year and I surprisingly enjoy it because as a simple base building game survival game with uh, I mean, using the Fox engine mind you with the same gameplay as Metal Gear Solid 5 and the same assets <laughs> I mean it's, it's I'm hard pressed to say that you know if you're looking for a game like something like Rust or Daisy, games of that ilk right like yeah, this is what happens when the studio puts one that's slightly more polished, okay, less buggy, things kind of work, and um, from a AAA studio, no doubt, right? So you can't studio. expect bugs. And I also don't understand like the people who are arguing like, oh, this game is so repetitive. It's like, yeah, it's a base building game. It's all about farming and getting elements and building up your defenses. By that same logic, isn't the Stardew Valley kind of repetitive as well? That's, I mean, I would say it's a base building. It's farm building and farm farming and it's all the same thing. Yes. By that logic, isn't the Sims kind of repetitive because all you do is wake up, eat shit, fuck, and then go to work? 
and then repeat at nauseum. <laughs> so like they, there is a place in the world for games God like this. God bless real life. Yeah. God, <laughs> God bless escapism. Hey. And I would say this, right? Metal Gear Survive got a lot of flack, especially from us. Okay, we, we gave it some shit because we were a little... We, I mean, we're not Kojima fanboys, but I am a Solid Snake fanboy. <laughs> I mean, I'm a big fan of Part 2 especially. Okay, Solid 2. <laughs> to me, it's still the best one. How about Part 3? Okay, Part 3 Snake was Eater is good. Snake Eater has the, the best... The updated version. The Substance, was it? Sub-something. The one with the VR missions and the extra yeah, stuff. I, yeah, I got, no, I got the one on Xbox. I think it was Metal Gear... Solid 2 subsistence, whatever. Whatever, yeah. The, yeah. the updated Solid Snake 2, yes. I, mean, I, I love that game and everybody's shitting on it because, oh, Raiden is so lame. Like, Raiden became a badass very quickly. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you gave him some chance. And it's like, and that was basically Kojima saying, haha, I fooled you. You're playing this other character now and you're trying to make him look cool and actually, stuff. Actually, that's not true because Kojima. It was supposed to be a trick, wasn't it, in a sense? He Kojima wanted to focus. created Raiden very passionately. He says, like, I wanted to create a cool character because he was kind of upset that people like locked on to Snake and Snake was basically a Michael Bean like 80s action hero trope Yep. and he's like okay I'm right down to the movie cover where you know like you know the it is literally cover, Michael yes. Bean it is literally okay but also at the same time it's like he created Raiden and he was really hoping people would like this character because he was more Japanese especially with the goofy I'm naked and I need to yeah. like escape this situation right now you know, and it's like I don't think people like the Jack Rose con- uh, conflict slash romance subplot that much. Yeah, I've asked my friends, yeah, they hated that bit. And that's the thing. I think this is probably the first time where Kojima actually felt fan backlash in a way that you know was strange. And this is like burgeoning early internet era. You know what I mean? I mean, and people hated on Metal Gear Two for the wrong reasons because of like, oh, this character is lame. It's still a great game. That's it's a thing. fantastic stealth game, you know. And like, uh, okay, I like three. I like three because it had interesting uh, bosses. Okay, like, you know, basically, what's the name of the old guy again? Uh, the end, the end. That was the sorrow, that was the end, that was the... You literally just had to push your clock forward and he dies of yeah. old age. <laughs> what a fucking ingenious, like... But then again, like, which one had Psychomantis? One. Yeah, part one. Okay, p- uh, part three had basically cooler boss fights. So part two had the best stealth, I would say. I don't know. I mean, like, the entire opening segment on the ship... Wait, why am I talking about Metal Gear Solid 2? Metal Gear yeah. Survive. Yep. <laughs> we were actually just going back to history just to put some context Came to out very leading early. up to Survive. Came out very early in the year and it does its best to step away from the juggernaut that is the Metal Gear franchise. It needed to be its own thing, la, basically. And okay, I guess, I mean, I have been on this podcast several times. Acu- I mean, I have accused other franchises of slapping a label in order to get references, in order to get brand recognition to sell. Whereas something like Metal Gear Survive is like, you know what? Yeah, it's using the Metal Gear uh, like assets. And this is Konami. It's like, you know what? We have this. This belongs to us. We might as well figure out what to do with this. And it's a, I mean, it's a valiant effort in doing something totally different and to step away from the stealth action games. And you know what? Looking at all these Death Stranding trailers, I have a funny feeling Kojima has no idea what he's doing either. It might be the most amazing game ever. So does the rest of the world. We're or still it might trying be the to figure dumbest out. Dumbest yeah. thing, that, you know, like what we eat babies, yeah. huh? We saw that YouTube trailer. We see a walking I... simulator slash post delivery service thing and baby powering up things. That's stuff. gameplay. And it's yeah, like, apparently, really? it is gameplay. So this is what we do. This is fun, really. Kojima, wow. Okay, uh, bye. Anyway, but yeah, that's my honorable mention. I mean, like, 
I would say, yeah, it's a controversial choice. I mean, there are better games out there that came out this year. But, but this is something that's personal and near and dear to your heart. I wouldn't even say near and dear. I would just say this game deserves a second chance. And I think maybe because we need to kind of like, you know, remove all the fanboyisms, remove all the, the tribalisms. Let's just treat this game as what it is. It is probably one of the better survival games of its uh, genre. Just because of this polishedness, it's... Uh, yeah, there's something very activity. slick about it, which I find very like, you know, um, like... All these other games like Rust or Daisy, right? Like, it's got its bugs, it's got its issues. Yeah. And here's Made by what? What? 10 people? 16 people and in the studio? This is like a proper studio, and then, like, okay, this is with the resources we have, and the multiplayer is pretty solid, too. And it's if not you like can they find got, people. Yeah. And plus, the Fox engine did look good on PS and Metal Gear Solid 5, so another game using it? This great. Yeah, it looks great on PC, especially. I mean, so, I mean, honorable mention, give this game a chance. It's not great. I'm not saying it's perfect, I'm not saying it's my favorite. I'm just saying this is one of those games that shouldn't be buried just because of the backlash. And who knows, maybe Konami, after looking at the feedback they've gotten for Metal Gear Survive, they might actually improve upon it later yeah. on and later on. Hopefully for free, because that's kind of what people kind of want. Yeah, they should do age. that more. I mean, like, I mean, if anything... Or maybe even put it, I mean, God forbid, a Battle Royale, if they want to actually get something going on. They have the resources. Yeah. I, would, I would love to play a Battle Royale using the Fox engine. Yeah, with what? Grey, not, Grey Fox... Um, all the characters you want as all the snake even the president <laughs> president Armstrong as well if you want sure yeah. you know I, I would love to play as Octacon and he's peeing all over the place <laughs> or his dad maybe yeah, yeah. he's quite okay. an asshole in a Metal Gear Solid 5 okay so that's enough of my uh, honorable mentions okay yeah. so so you got a real pick for going on so okay my pick for uh, best video game of 2018 so far is Dragon Ball Fighters. Kamehameha, motherfuckers. This is probably like... I mean, speaking of backlash, in the air of like... Okay, hey everybody, we're the Last King Podcast. We really like fighting games here. Yes, Okay, two of us. Yeah. Okay, and like, um, Evo's on its way. And I can't wait to see this in a high-stakes tournament setting. Oh, and also mm. it's now available... Uh, Dragon Ball Fighter Z actually has a world tour going on alongside yeah. Tekken. And it's, there's a pretty interesting mechanic where... Every winner for each of these circuits, they gets a Dragon Ball. Whoever wins seven of these gets will a become, wish. No, <laughs> becomes president of Bandai Namco. <laughs> I think the winner will wish that. But whoever gets seven of these balls actually gets to act as the last boss in the final tournament for next year. Oh, that's so cool. Yes, yes. But if any, if different players earn the balls. I guess they end up becoming that's very hard higher seeding. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Each of them get higher seeding than usual, uh, you know. But whoever gets all seven, yeah, is basically the final boss in the in the final legs of and the world tour. International, right? This is international, so you're gonna see Sonic Fox, you're gonna see Go Ichi, you're gonna see who else is really good at Dragon Ball Fighter Z. Everybody, anyway. <laughs> God damn, you seen Justin Wong's technology? Oh, I didn't see that. You know, no, no. surprisingly, Punk has also got a pretty good solid uh, team. Kazunoko. Oh my God, he has really good Yamcha tech, basically. Kazunoko, yo, you're talking about one of the gods of Guilty Gear. Yeah, yeah and be careful. Using <laughs> a ground-based character in a game filled with air superior characters, nothing to sneeze at, dude. Nothing to sneeze at. I will at. say this, right? I'm really looking forward to all the Guilty Gear legends come out of the woodwork to go and like throw down because, okay, I mean, everybody knows within the Japanese fighting game scene, like it's either like there's Kusura, there's uh, Kazunoko. Kazunoko definitely would be yeah. one of the gods of Guilty Gear. Then yes, there's yes. like Mosaic. 
And even to some extent, Daigo himself was a Guilty Gear. There was a guy who plays Venom quite a lot, although he, he's been winning a lot of Guilty Gear tournaments. Ah, I forgot his name, but he looks like a bespeckled, short little guy, skinny-ish. I don't know, I think or I saw him at last year's EVO, right? Yeah, he's one of those guys, yeah. Like, and the thing is, this is one of those games where everybody can transition, because this game is catering to not only the Guilty Gear guys, but for all you butthurt guys who didn't enjoy Marvel Infinite, and like you need some like team fighting game action, and you don't want to play Brawl, you, you <laughs> go. <laughs> yeah. And there's actually another game that actually fills in that niche as well. Um, Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle came out like a month or so ago. Yeah, and I think th- that's one of the few games that's going with the tag system with this. and everything. Yeah, and it's very funny because it's like now in the realm of fighting games, it's not like SNK versus Capcom. Yeah, it's like Bandai Namco versus Arc System Works. <laughs> Like, who would have thought it would go? Actually, you know what? Yeah, it, you know, the writings have been on the it, wall for the longest sort time. Sort of right? fighting since they also made Dragon Ball Fighter Z. So it's like cousins fighting cousins. You know in what I mean? Sense. Yeah. And the thing is, right, because this arc system works, right? I mean, I mean, they've made some pretty good fighting games and they made some pretty ridiculous ones. I mean, who can forget the Fist of the North Star fighting game? <laughs> All the infinites, man. Totally All broken, the but fun. They even did the Sengoku Basara fighting game too for Sega. That was quite a while ago. I enjoyed that a lot, actually. Yeah. That was also kind of broken last I checked, right? I had it on PS2, yeah. I remember like a few infinites there. Okay, but not notwithstanding. So Dragon Ball Fighter Z, I think, right, especially in this landscape, in this day and age, right, when you have all these kids, especially in the West, who are hyped up on Dragon Ball because there's a new series and then there's a legacy, the series still in... The super series as well. Yeah, yeah, still in heavy rotation and syndication over in the US, right? And Mm -hmm. then you got nothing but, like, Dragon Ball love from the fighting game community. Yeah. And to see them come out in droves. I mean, like, we can only just point back to, I think, was it CES or E3, like, a few years ago where they had a Dragon Ball Fighter Z booth and they had the Marvel booth for Marvel Infinite. Yeah. And everybody was at the Dragon Ball... Oh, that was last year's E3. Three, that I was last year's yeah, last year's remember that it's like okay here's a here's a free play area fuck everybody just stampedes yeah. those Dragon Ball and everyone's all jumping on to like the one through one true three on three fighting game yeah and the battle was won even before it started honestly and the thing is when you have the cast of the Dragon Ball series in your game when you have kids playing as Goku blowing the shit out of like Oh man, those with all the dramatic battles, all those the really awesome, like you know, and, and uh, environmental transitions, basically, like you know, one you one you KO a guy with a super with a dramatic finish, you get a dramatic finish and, like, and everything, and like the dramatic finish when you put a guy through an asteroid and that yep. thing like shatters into pieces. It's like this is one of those games that visually, if you don't understand what's going on in fighting games, but just visually seeing one character get smashed the fuck up, and you're like, this is fun to watch you know as a spectator as like maybe a blind spectator I mean blind in the sense where you're, you're not aware of fighting games or the mechanics or even of the Dragon Ball lore mm-hmm. like there's something about this that reminds me of like maybe remember King of Fighters back in the day when they had just bigger DMs yes yes because like you look at something like uh, Street Fighter and it's like okay it's just a slightly larger fireball and then you see something like King of Fighters where they literally cover the screen with special effects right yeah. you get to see all of that in Dragon Ball Fighters. and this Z, is dude. Dragon Ball logic you know like like Mountains get cut in half, <laughs> you know, and I mean, I say one of the most spectacular, one of the most visceral, and probably one of the most, I mean, strangely enough, it uh, ticks all the right boxes for a fighting game because easy to uh, play, impossible to master. Yes, yes, you know, because the learning curve is other people. Yeah, and they actually did not explain some other mechanics that were present in the tutorial and on your combo challenge, like certain changes that happen, or even like apparently if you jump at a certain radius when you try and do a corner jump 
dashing in, you actually end up at the other side instead of ending up at the same side. Yeah. Some different things here and there. So many cool things that people are still discovering up to this day. And that's not counting the new characters that came in like recently. Like you've got Zamasu, you've got Vegito, you've got Broly, and you've got Bardock. Fan favorites, Broly and Bardock. Yep, yep. When is Chi-Chi going to make an appearance? I know, I really want Chi-Chi to come down. She's actually one of the legit fighters, not in the Dragon Ball Z era, but in the Dragon Ball era. Yeah, you know what I want? I want a Master Roshi playable character. Oh yeah, I think that might be a thing. Who knows? Yes, you know what yes. I mean? He was the original guy who taught everyone Kamehameha's basically. He taught everybody how to Kamehameha. Yeah. Okay, he wore the turtle shell back in the day. And I mean, I would say this... Maybe his persona, Jackie... Chung or whatever he dressed up as basically he dressed up as a different character in the one of the tournaments yeah in one of the tournaments in Dragon Ball mm. it's pretty funny stuff I mean this game is going to be played for a long time and I think like it's not say surpassing Street Fighter or King of Fighters but it's getting there in the sense because it's something everyone has been waiting for for quite a while and but this is what I want to say also is like when you watch a Dragon Ball Fighter Z tournament and you see nothing but anticipation hype and just people getting excited and you watch like something like a Street Fighter Five tournament, and it's just people yawning and just paying attention, and they're just in it because everyone can do the same combos here and there, and they're just um, practicing. Like you're, they're doing it just for the sake of the money, in a sense. So, I mean, like, so Dragon if, Ball, if there's you, a bit of a community love. There's some spectacle to watching a Dragon Ball Fighter Z yeah. match, and yo, how badass would be if during an Evo tournament somebody actually manages to collect seven Dragon Balls during a match <laughs> and unleash the dragon oh my god you I get the wish back during yeah. grand finals and you revive your ally and it's like <laughs> oh that is crazy imagine dude. the pop off in the stadium when that happens so I'm really looking forward to seeing Dragon Ball fight at the, ultim- at the ultimate level I believe that's happening in the first week of August yeah okay which is pretty soon okay? yeah, yeah. that's like one month more man one month more as of this recording okay it's probably like two weeks away mm-hmm. <laughs> So yeah, there you go. That's my pick for uh, my favorite game of uh, 2018. I'm still playing it. Yeah, I still want to talk more about Dragon Ball Fighter Z as well. <laughs> I'm I'm definitely on my need to rank up right right after this episode. And uh, I mean, if anything, uh, best fighting game of 2018 as well. Mm-hmm. I would say definitely my top pick for one of the best video games to come in a while. I'm and still gonna wait until Soul Calibur 6 tries to make an impact but we'll see how that goes really i mean i did like part four and part five back in the day so i kind of want to actually see this see this game through i mean i mean I'm i was a fan of, of four, three i was a fan of soul age back in the day before they started using caliber as a title back in the day soul when age? it was so slow and in 30 frames per second is it when true? It, right soul caliber is basically soul edge part two or soul edge part three right uh, it's a spin-off, right? yeah yeah soul caliber is soul edge two before yeah. Soul Calibur 2 came that, in because the because I, I own Soul Edge on and this is PS the PlayStation 1 era PlayStation 1 era right? yeah, dude yeah, yeah. that game is slow compared to all the games the Soul Calibur games we're playing right now where everything is 60 frames or bust I used to play that in the, in the arcades and it was like Soul Edge was I mean it had a very cool character design mm-hmm. was Voldo around yet? Uh, yeah, Voldo he was, was he's uh, a Soul Calibur I think guy. he was a soul, in Soul Edge I think he's Soul he Edge was, right? he's yeah. one of those originally I've been around yeah. since the first few games like Voldo, Killick and probably uh Sofitia, right? Oh, no, no, no. There's, there was no Killick in no? Edge. Uh, Killick was in Caliber. Killick was in Caliber. Cal- Sofitia was around. Uh, Seung Mina was in Edge. Seung Mina was mm. the first Bostaff wielder character. There you go. So, yeah. some. F- so, you know what? It wouldn't be the last game podcast if you yeah. give some fighting game love. Yep, yep. Evil coming along the way. Looking forward to that, especially. And uh, so, uh, those were my picks for uh, Best of 2018. Now, yeah. we go to Mr. Toffee. Mr. Toffee, sir, what are your honorable mention and All right. best of? I'm going to decide and say it right here. I've actually wrote an article about it as well. Um, honorable mention should go for to Shin Megami Tensei, Strange Journey. 
this game, especially, wow. Um, this is Shin Megami. This is actually the 3DS version of a game that came out in 2010. But unlike a, unlike other remasters, this one actually adds in an additional storyline bit, basically. When was this out? This was out long time ago in 2010 for the DS. And then and for all you Lasking fans out there, this is the Shin Megami Tensei series, which also spawned games like uh, Demo Persona Sabana yeah, and Demo. Persona. Like all of these games are basically spun spun off from this one SMT series. Yeah, yeah. But I felt that Shin Megami Tensei: uh, Strange Journey actually felt more like a true sequel to the Shin Megami Mothership titles than Part Four in a way because a it's got that whole uh, maze navigation dungeon system going on keeping like it old person, school, right? keeping it old school. Yeah. B you still got your law neutral and chaos alignments going on in the storyline where you get to pick three endings now in this remastered version you get six basically because mm. because you have this new character called Alex who comes in you don't know what the hell she is why she's coming out why she's trying to kill you in this uh, very brutal strange world basically because anime <laughs> yeah yeah there's actually more of a story to that involving devils demons gods and angels but generally the whole story for this game is I mean you know the story right for Strange Journey I lost track because the thing is the last Shin Megami game outside of Persona I played was Devil Summoner ah Devil Summoner and I think I, the last one I played kind of seriously was part 3 which was like almost 8 years ago uh, that was the one where it's like a sort of an action game right Raido yeah, yeah, Kusunoha yeah, yeah. Kusunoha yeah. I, I, I love the music in that one it's really Jazzy yeah, but I never completed it because the thing is I, I didn't drop off in the Shin Megami uh, fix because I think I moved on to like yo I think like Skyrim and all those <laughs> took over for me for my attention yeah and plus Kai Kuzunoha Raido was a PS2 game so you kind of need to move on the yeah, PC stuff definitely. yeah but anyway uh, this game basically you are basically this task group sent by the UN to, dis to discover the Schwarzwald about why it's growing so big in this outer south pole and why it's enveloping the entire earth you go inside you end up in this demon world where it actually showcases man's uh, uh, really toxic need and nature for consumerism for pollution basically man's evil made personified by the demons and devils in this universe you kind of have to explain explore find out what's going on destroy it and then get the hell out but of course like any Shin Megami Tensei game it's not as simple as that so along the way, you actually discover that apparently these demons, they kind of want to conquer this earth and everything to make the place their own. And you've also got the angel side who want to do the same thing through law and order. And then the two characters you meet, um, Zelenin and who's the other guy, Jimenez, they are representing law and chaos as the story goes on. And then I'm not going to spoil who actually represents a neutral. And then you have to basically go through the story, figure out how you want to actually shape the world. You want to conquer it with demons, you want to conquer it as angels. Or you want to make humans rule it, basically, in the end. Keep everything the status quo. I mean, so what are the mechanics and the systems that they're keeping for this game? Okay, this, this system is still turn-based, combat-based. You actually have to fight enemies, recruit demons into your demonica suits. You get to recruit them. You have to talk to them to recruit them. Basically, if they like what you're doing, you have to actually placate them by giving them giving them money and items and pander to their requests. It's not as complex as the mainstream stuff, but pretty basic. But at the same time, you kind of have to basically recruit demons shapeshift them and then fuse them to actually make one new demon to actually oh, conquer so the later similar stages. similar to Devil Summoner in a sense. Yes, in a sense. Yes, you can yes. craft your demons. Yeah, yeah. Fusion. <laughs> basically the original Pokemon before Pokemon makes focus and everything. So what I really like about this is the tone. It actually feels like what happens if 1987's The Thing or 1986's The Thing actually went one step further into the demon realm. It has that vibe where you are basically strangers in a strange land in this Antarctica-like place 
in a ship with all the best technology and somehow it does not work in this demon realm. So that sense of isolation and loneliness and your crew members going mad and paranoid, that also happens, but on a more demonic scale. But is that like part of the, mecha- the, the game mechanic? Uh, this is more of a narrat- n- narrative basis to determine how the story ends. But the, the finding itself and everything is all turn-based. It's, elements and exploiting enemy weaknesses still matter because you actually get to do a follow-up attack once you deal an attack to an enemy. So let's say a bad guy, a demon, is actually weak to fire. You have all your en- If one guy actually attacks with fire, your other allies who are actually with that alignment of that demon will actually do a follow-up attack, which is like almighty attacks. Okay. So it actually goes through the defenses, goes through all the protections and whatnot. So you stack critical hits by basically paying attention to the elements. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And the thing is, your opponent can sort of do the same as well, and they'll actually have more turns to work on. So you kind of have to use the system to your advantage to survive. And of course, navigating the maze is also another part of the gameplay where there's going to be dead ends. There are going to be places where you actually teleport you from one end to the other, making you restart your progress. So mm. part of the fun is actually figuring out the map. But it's not like a roguelike where it's like procedurally generated. Oh no, it's not procedurally generated. Everything so, is the yeah, same. Okay. Yeah. So you just remember, don't go there next time. Yeah, yeah. Basically, the enemy placements and the jewel placements and the item placements are random, but the map still remains the same. So if you haven't played this game in the 2010, there actually is a new stage for veteran veterans called the Womb of Grievance, basically. It's like a bunch of random maps and random demons, which opens up another plot point of the game itself. Kind of like Nephilim Point Portals, right? Where it's basically ki- challenge maps. Challenge maps in a sense. Um, if you're playing Megami Tensei 3, the Amala zone area, it's about the same, basically, as okay, that. Okay, so it's a throwback to that. Yeah, a throwback to that one. I mean, that's good because like a lot of people usually, especially when they want something for their end game, you know, you just want to keep crawling the dungeon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if you want new demons, yeah, there are actually new demons in this as well, um, old and new, especially if you played the 2010 iteration. I felt that this is what a remaster should do, in a sense, bring back a game that is actually canon, sort of like what makes a Shin Megami Tensei game, which is the difficulty yeah. and the challenge and the navigation of the map and everything and the the storyline that diverges to three, now six paths, and also adding in something new for veterans like me. So I kind of want to put this in my honorable mention because I don't think there were any other RPGs or fighting games or any other action games that kind of piqued my interest. So, like, I mean, this is your honorable mentions. What is lacking in this game that you probably think... I mean, not to say as an improvement or, like... I mean, I'd, I think saying something that's lacking is a bit unfair. But, like, okay, why? what was the reason you made this an honorable mention instead of a topic? Because there was another game that actually felt new. I mean, I guess you could say because it was basically a remaster, in a sense. Okay. Like, it's not a totally new game for 2018, so it gets a bit of a step back. And I kind of want to give some shine to something new that came out this year. Okay, so, but I mean, this one doesn't feel like a watered-down sequel at all, Definitely right? not a watered-down sequel. Although you can change the difficulty... I suggest you just play it on like hard or normal setting because you get the challenge factor there especially with demons kicking your ass in the first few stages yeah I mean, but does it do the, the traditional Japanese thing where like oh they just pop up wherever you step on oh yes yes they will do I that I love basically. that <laughs> yes yes okay now you gotta you gotta be prepared at all times exactly yeah that's what I love about this game it actually brings back the challenge level from past Shin Megami Tensei games I mean, and also JRPGs for that matter. I mean, yeah. I mean, this definitely... I mean, when I took a look at this, right, it has all the, like... It just reminded me a lot of those old school, like, SNES JRPGs. Like, yep, shit's gonna hit any time. Yes. So you, got, you gotta get your butt clenched all the time. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> so should I go on to my next pick? Like, the big, big pick for 2018 so I far. know it's no surprise for the fans of Last King who've been paying attention to our episodes in previous, but okay, tell you what. So, Mr. Toffee, what is your favorite game of 2018 so far? It's... God of War. 
I am still replaying God of War up to this day, even if after I finish it, because there's Boy. all these other challenges in the yeah. That's the, that's the thing I like as well. <laughs> the fact that there's so many catchphrases to get from this that game. That is my WhatsApp notification now. Yeah. Boy. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. And that's all he says, boy, and I don't know. Basically, that's those are his answers when he talks to his son. But yeah. I guess this is like where everything comes full circle. I've always enjoyed games where they actually take both a narrative and a gameplay aspect and combine it together. 60% towards more gameplay or 70% definitely would be a welcome change of pace. Like, I like my story in my games, that's for sure. But I don't want a walking simulator. I don't want yeah, a visual novel of. that goes on and on about what it's doing without giving me puzzles to solve or cases to crack, like uh, the Phoenix Wright games or whatnot. But in this case, I feel that for God of War, they actually blend the two really well because the fighting itself is really, really good. Despite the fact that it's trying to change something different, you know, it's not going back to the hyper action that was presented in the first three or four God of Wars back in the day. You're talking about, what was it, Ascension? Ascension is technically kind of part four, I guess, yeah. But it's broken as fuck, honestly. But it's on PS4? Or it's PS, uh, PS3. Three, PS3. It's a, oh, it's a one, once-off it's spin-off been, sequel, It's right? a prequel of sorts. But anyway, yeah, I didn't like that the thing all. is, 10 years has passed. God of War kind of needs to make a comeback in the sense according to Corey Barlog and his team. So instead of doing the same damn thing in the past four games which you can get on HD Collection for PS4, why not do an entirely sort of new thing while keeping the action going on? Because they actually had the developers who did the combat for Part 2 onwards to actually do part, part, uh, God of War's 2018's combat. And it worked. Honestly, I don't know how visceral it gets. I mean, it actually get, got really tough, especially when dealing with so many like hordes of enemies coming in and you have to go back and forth, turning around, pressing the back button and blocking and parrying. But it somehow just clicks. It just clicks for me. I mean, do you have any questions you want to ask about this? I mean, you've seen a bit of the teasers and you've seen a bit. I'm, I'm halfway to beating it, actually. Oh, okay. Nice, nice. And the thing is, right, I was a little bit rough on it when you first uh, reviewed it back in, I think, three episodes ago. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, once I got my hands on it, and then I just wanted to have, you know, benefit of the doubt, right? And, okay, I still stick by my... I wish that this was a bit more of a retread of the original games because I miss that kind of combo system mm-hmm. where the enemies come at all angles. But I also appreciate this more because... Because the problem with the original God of War games was definitely the camera mm-hmm. and the in- inability for like because the thing is, whoever was designing those games, right? A lot of them were so focused on the set pieces they would pull the camera back so far to pay attention to this Titan doing something in the background. Yeah, and then you're like this tiny little character. Oh, that's the reason why they purposely made Kratos white slash ashen white so you yeah. can actually spot him. So all am- the red. amidst all the red and blood and, and all the brown and like there's that white that's supposed to be you. And then like, the thing is, unless you have a gigantic TV, like you know that doesn't really help. Mm-hmm. But okay, so I played this game and okay, it took a while to get accustomed to the over the shoulder kind of battle. But the thing is, once and that perception, especially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I get why they wanted to change because the thing is, I'm a fan of like doing something totally different because I mean, I've stated on the podcast several times like Resident Evil 4, one of my favorite games of all time, and it does everything totally different from the original Grand Theft Auto 3 totally different from part 1 and part 2 because it's not just a change of perspective but a change of pacing a change of uh, production a change of change of scope especially and yeah. also a change of vision and um, I mean I'm still speaking as one of the stalwarts of the original God of War games now granted I like those games I don't think they're great <laughs> okay not by a long shot okay Okay. I still like you know I will hold like maybe Ninja Gaiden up there as like you know the 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 so-called the hyper action the golden benchmark is still Ninja Gaiden Black on the original Xbox not the first Devil May Cry 
Devil May Cry 1 is okay. Or Devil even DMC. May, <laughs> DMC is fantastic. DMC is basically if you got Ninja Gaiden Ikuruga to have a baby. Mm. Okay, okay. You yeah. know what I mean? And then like maybe okay, like if my favorite DMC is still like uh of the original like Capcom games is three. So for me it's like the, the remake three one two. Mm, okay. Four maybe right below that too. Four is actually fucking boring. <laughs> Especially the stupid When you're playing Dante again, it was those same levels that Nero was on, if I recall. No, there's fucking a lot of walking through corridors. Like yeah. this game is so empty. You yeah. know, okay, uh, but notwithstanding, then okay, so I'm playing God of War, and you know what? I'm glad you were right. I'm glad the narration and the uh, the step towards being a more narrative, more story driven, didn't annoy me. Yeah, you know, what I mean, like, oh, cool, it's like they they made they made it seamless. Yeah, yeah. It, it, nothing, not, it's like, you know what? I gotta give props to where props is due. Like the guys doing the God of War series, they finally mastered the the that that uh, that that knack of like. This is when action hurt uh, starts, but before the action starts, that 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 level of dynamics, where basically we're gonna lead up to that. So narration, narration, narration. Holy shit! Something's yeah. happening right now. Like oh, and then like, I totally appreciate that because it introduces a sense of pacing that was never really uh, present in the or- original God of War games. Yeah, definitely missing. I mean, the yeah. first God of War kind of did that. Again, Greek tragedy, like you mentioned, that's how a Greek tragedy plays out. But the first God of War, definitely. And, yeah, second and third and Ascension, oh, okay, we're just going, Kratos is angry for the sake of being angry and all that. I mean, I would give props to maybe God of War 3 because they were playing with new technology yeah. and like, because this is like the rise of the HD, like, like people are starting to go 1080p and like plasma screens were happening, right? And I remember playing God of War 3 and being very underwhelmed by the, the length. Like, yeah. this is actually ended too quickly. But, yeah, it's pretty and it's it's big and the spectacle is there. I mean... Yeah. And I'm also glad that uh, going back to God of War 2018, it actually addresses all those things that Kratos did in part 2 and part 3 in a sense where I have to go and tell my son eventually all the stupid shit I've done I used to be an asshole yes there you go now I'm a dad yes (laughs) you kind of have to come in terms of that and I'm glad that game actually told that story really well while also putting some kick-ass fight moments here and there I have to admit I didn't notice any of that. <laughs> okay. I skipped cutscenes. I'm that guy. Uh, okay. You know, unless it's really important, which is never. Uh, but I mean, I'll talk about the action though. Um, it's it's interesting. It's interesting because it prevents a, it presents a new challenge and it presents a new kind of gameplay. Like I will compare this some to something like Enslaved by Ninja Theory. The oh guys yes, who did another the DMC lovely Ninja uh, Theory remake. game. Like it's similar more to that than it is to a God of War game. Whereas like DMC. You can definitely compare it to God of War. You can definitely compare it to Ninja Gaiden. Those games are of that stylish action, um, button mashing, combo heavy kind of gameplay. They're one family. Whereas something like this is like okay, I can't. It's unfair for me to compare it to God of War or games that you know are better than God of War. So what is this? What does this remind me of? And then I was thinking hard, and I was I just kind of it just popped into my head like this is exactly like Enslaved. You know what I mean? And Enslaved to me is one of like those one of the most underrated games ever. You've got like a ta- you got like a helper person with you in the form of your son, who actually gets more and more powerful in God of War. And similar to Enslave, you have the red yeah, hair girl. Uh, trip, yeah. There you go, you know. And like similar to Half Life, yeah, you yeah. have and the then Alex you also, Vance. Yeah, and then you also got a bit of like a long range combat as well in terms of your Leviathan axe that goes forward and back. And even without your axe, you're still pretty powerful with using your fist and using your shield to do as much damage as you, you can while I doing crowd control. I will also say this when I finally got the the Blades of Olympus, mm-hmm. and it's like. 
yeah, this this doesn't work here. <laughs> I'll no, stick no, with I'll, sword. I, I kind of disagree. I'll stick with the X. <laughs> no, this, I kind of disagree. Like that part leading up to the Blades of Chaos. I mean, I know it's coming, but the way they actually settled that with the red sky and the flashback, sort of flashback, yeah. with the boat and everything, it's like it's coming, it's coming. And once he opens it up, and then you have all those horde of enemies coming in. Oh, it's good to actually use this damn thing as well. And the, and, but the thing is, I you notice how the camera kind of pans back a little bit when you swing the blades. So yeah, it kind of works in that sense. But I will say this right with the over-the-shoulder view, mm-hmm. like the the blades of chaos, not that fun. Really? It I makes, thought it was it actually kind of cool. Makes things too easy. Okay. That. And like when the horde came, I, st- I stuck to the uh, <laughs> I stuck to the Leviathan. It's like one by one. I'm gonna yeah. take you all down one by one, and that was way more fun for me mm. because it's like. Because then I'm inducing the need to, b- to parry and block more. Yeah, that's when they actually start introducing enemies who are like strong against fire. So you kind of have to switch between the ice and the fire attacks, more or less. Just like DMC. There you go. Yes. <laughs> so I think it's, I will say this right. I give a uh, fair praise to God of War for knowing what came before it, mm-hmm. and for um, not just elevating it. I mean, th- this is. I won't say elevate more like actually putting a different spin instead of like just retreading nah, what they've done for I the past four years. I will say elevate because it took what exists before and they made it better. I would agree. This game to me, like, I mean, if I were to rate it, and I haven't completed it yet, but this game feels like a very strong seven and a half. Mm. Okay. Seven and a half to an eight. That's you know? high praise from you considering that your standards are very, very, very high. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, I was like, and I was like, this game is one of those few. It's one of the few games where this is constantly surprising me as I go along because I think there's also something within the development where they they knew like as a God of War fan like we need to kind of cater to you guys too huh yeah yeah and I can sense that I can sense that the developer is like saying okay this is for you yeah this moment right here yeah you God of War fan you like before you start complaining and they know exactly the moment and like here you go yeah this is that here's the, here's the moment where we kick you in the ass and like Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And then here's that moment where you kind of miss, I mean, the Leviathan Axe is cool and all that. Well, here's the Blades of Chaos back again, you know. And then, because we only got like, what, I think about 15, 10 hours before we get to that bit. Yeah. And I also remember when I, uh, using the Blades of Chaos, I was like, yeah, you know what? Fuck the old shit. I like this new shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what? I had, uh, thank you for giving that to me for a while. And uh, you know, yeah, I, I, I see why this doesn't work yeah. here. I had an easier time fighting the fairies in God of War using the chains, honestly, because those fuckers are annoying. Especially the boss fairy, you know, the one where it actually blinds you if you don't dodge properly. Especially in hard mode. You know, yeah. the trick is patience. Patience, yeah. Let, let them come to you. <laughs> okay, don't try to attack them. Wait for your moments. So, I mean, okay, uh, God of War. Four, God of War. God of War. God, God of, of War. War. <laughs> I mean, okay, you know what? Excellent choice for best of the 2018. I mean, the game is getting nothing but praise and yeah, getting full marks and getting high marks here and there. I thought it was just hype, but after finishing the game and also playing it right now as you speak, mm. I'm still trying to clear through the Valkyries and maybe gonna try God of War mode. And yeah, crazy enough, I'm I'm, I'm just looking addicted forward to, it. to unlocking that. You know, because yeah. the thing is, I'm still going through heart right now. Is uh. like, you know what? This might be the challenge I've been like dying for in a while. Oh, I almost forgot. There's actually New Game Plus mode already out for God of War. So you can actually take your old equipment and play the harder difficulties if you want. Nah, I'm going to be an asshole and just start, start from the beginning. Start from scratch. Like a, like a proper God of War. Uh, I kind of played that for five minutes. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go back to hard. Fuck <laughs> <Like> that <laughs> shit, dude. Yeah. Enemies actually regenerate one if you actually leave them alone for like a half a second. So you kind of need to actually be patient in God of War mode and yeah I mean pick your moments yes so uh, that was our 
best picks of 2018 so far. I mean, anything else you want to add or any other things you wish you could have picked as your best of? Because like, I know it's Fear and Barbie Between. And we're down one host too. Yeah, yeah. We're done for half the year. But there are actually a few games I kind of want to pick. Um, like Nino Kuni 2 and all that? Nino Kuni 2, Revenant Kingdom. I'm actually still playing that despite the fact that I've already reviewed it after 20 hours of playing. Is it fun still? It is still kind of fun. As What's opened up for you now? Uh, basically a harder difficulty for one. Uh, okay. They actually released a patch for this, I think, the beginning of uh, June or middle of June where you can actually play on hard and expert mode. So I kind of need a bit of a challenge because the enemies are so or kind of easy to kill even if they're 10 levels higher than you. So now going to this mode, uh, hard and expert mode, you get better treasure, but basically enemies can basically one-shot you if you're not careful. Really? Which is pretty cool. I kind of want that in that. But again, I haven't finished the game yet. I'm still like, what? Another five more hours left. I kind of want to actually just play the side quest because it's actually fun just looking for different citizens to actually populate your town. So for those who don't know, Nino Kuni 2 lets you build Revenant Kingdom because that's what the title is, right? So you get to find your citizens. You get to find. There's people no false here there. advertising there. Yeah, exactly. Really, yes. you're building the Revenant Kingdom. You're basically a king who kind of has to find different people to populate your kingdom and town. So the more people you have, the higher and more souped up your kingdom is you get to build a theater you get to build like another square you get to build docks and stuff you know and you get to build, build different uh, magical centers um, black space into institutes of creativity and whatnot really really cute stuff I think for me like I mean the games that came out so far like okay I mean, besides Dragon Ball Fighter Z and yeah my controversial pick for Metal Gear Survive is Honorable Mansion I'm not saying it's great I'm just saying give it a shot okay I'm not being paid by Konami but I'm really looking forward to what's over the horizon right now. Oh, for this month? For the month, this month of July? No, for the rest of the year because like this is our halfway mark, sir. And already they've already, like, we still haven't touched Fallout 76. Uh, Darksiders 3 is going to come out very soon. Hmm? Okay, is that I be- don't know if I'm looking forward to that though because the original studio, um, the Vigil guys, yeah. they actually did Battle Chasers last year, uh, Night War. Mm-hmm. And they're doing new stuff, obviously. So I think it's like the other half, the B-listers of visual games who are stuck doing Darksiders 3. But I mean, they were given a lot of time because I don't think there was any like stress on the release date, right? Uh, actually, they've leaked the release date. It's uh, November 26th. Is this year, right? Yeah, it's this year. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to like, you know, because the thing is, they did kind of promise that there'll be four games to represent all four, the four horsemen. Yeah, yeah. So right? now there's missing uh, Fury and Strife. Fury is going to be in part three and Strife might be in part four. Yeah, which is not actual four horsemen because it's War, yeah. Death, Pestilence and yes. I can't remember. It's uh, Joe Madureira's version of the four horsemen. <laughs> is he still heavily involved in this game? I no. Maybe be- in just the character designs, right? Maybe just designs because they're still using his artwork, his uh, designs and everything. But he's moved on to Battle Chasers as well. Yeah, Battle Chasers. A lovely game, by the way. Unfortunately, we can't feature it this year because it came out last year yeah I mean, it should have been on a, you think it should have been on a top 10 last year uh i've i'm halfway through and it's all right i'm leaning huh? towards so maybe a top maybe 11 or 12 at yeah. the very least because you're paying a you're paying little for a pretty meaty jrpg tribute in mm. a sense yeah and of course uh, speaking of games coming out uh, in 2018 we're yet to even talk about the juggernaut that is Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh man. That's which is crazy. happening very soon. You know, I know it's probably gonna the, the online portion for that game is gonna be a reskin of Grand Theft Auto 5, but I don't care because Cowboys and Nins. Okay, if it works, it works. Yep, exactly. I would love to jack a horse. You know what? That came out wrong. <laughs> okay. Horse Jack, Horse Jack. Horse Jack, Horse Jack, Horseman. <laughs> anyway, so um Ooh, there's also another game that I've been playing that could be a contender maybe for the end of, of our end of the year podcast. Which one would that be? Octopath Traveler. Octopath Traveler? That is actually coming out for the Switch. Uh, by the time this episode is out, it's probably out right now. Mm-hmm. 
And I've played like about three to five hours of this game. So far, so good, actually. Okay. There was actually a demo out right now where you can actually take your save and actually use it for the full game when you buy it. So your three hours isn't actually wasted. Maybe here's a way for us to uh, wrap up this podcast, especially. How about, what are your top four games of 2018? Or, like... I don't know. I mean, I've got quite an eclectic select... Okay, I, I could say top three. So I kind of need to find one more So game. besides these two, one more game, what would you add to this? Okay, let's see. One more. I want to say Fighting EX Lear, but... Is it out? Actually, it is already out. But... I'd say it's more for fighting game fans who actually like Street Fighter EX more for anyone else. I'm so it's more I'm, my personal I'm, pick. I'm buying it just for Skullomania. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while since you get to, I got to play that character. I would suggest you just get the light version because the extra the extra stuff, I don't know if it's actually worth it. Maybe take a look at it first. Is it on Steam? No, right? Uh, no. It's only coming out on Steam if the PS4 version does well. And I'm pretty sure the PS4 will make some numbers, especially after EVO, because it's going to be a premier game at EVO, right? Mm, no, not that I know of. No, not no. But it's actually getting some love here and there from the community. I mean, there's a guy named Giuna. I believe he actually did some shoutcasting in uh, EVO, last, EVO last year and uh, Southeast Asia Majors. He actually did all the localization for this game, the English localization. Fascinating. A one-man team, yeah. Well, if you were to ask me, what would be my uh, third choice, you know? Uh, well, definitely the Far Cry game. Ah, Far Cry 5, how far are you at right now? You know what? You're right. Cheeseburger's adorable. <laughs> yes, he is. Uh, or is it a she? I think it's a she. Right? Uh, I don't know. I didn't. I, I got to play it again. I There's mean, nothing I'm... more terrifying than a female grizzly, yes. especially when she's in heat. Yeah, yep. <laughs> Hell hath no fury, right? Hell hath no fury like a horny grizzly bird. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so on that note, let's uh, wrap up this episode. I think we're podcast. good for that. We've done our video game talk. Or maybe so, we can yes. have a chat with Tom for his picks in the near future. If we chat with Tom, God, it's going to be some fucking paradox. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, at least we'll learn something out of it, right? Within the five it's minutes he rambles on. Paradox DLC that is really, really important to him at that point in time. Yeah, yeah. On that note, before we knock out the sleep, I think we're done, right? Okay, before we return to the sleep pause, okay, uh, I have been your co-host, uh, Dr. Shafiq of Medical B. <laughs> I have been your janitor, Mr. Toffee. Do you want to clean up more mess? Because I hear Tom vomiting in the background still. Hold still, Tom. See you in a bit. Good night.